Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Here's what we're going to do this morning. How many of you keep keep letters and notes from people? How many of you are like that? You keep things like that? Man, that's me. I keep things from people I'm holding right now. Uh, I have a postcard that my dad sent me. Uh, from, uh, let's see, from 2000, I think it's from 2012, right after we started the church and from my dad. I got, a, I got a, uh, a letter from my wife right here. I've got some letters from my kids and my nephews and nieces and my mom. And uh, man, I, I don't know about you, but when someone writes me, uh, not all the time, but a lot of time I keep it. It's something special. And maybe you, um, <clears throat> Maybe you are the type of person that when someone special writes you or emails you or texts you, usually when it's someone special that sends it to you, you are pretty excited. That went too fast. You're, you're excited. You're, you're glad they wrote you. And although the delivery method has changed, when you get a message from someone special, you want to do something about it. For some of you, the delivery box open and close, and you just ran out. For others of you, the delivery method was this. You got mail. And your speaker was always too loud, and it scared you. For everybody here, maybe, maybe you're here and you're like, I never, I never checked AOL. I'm curious, how many of you never had an AOL account? Just raise your hand. Oh, my goodness. Some of you, I just, you, you haven't lived until you heard this. You got mail. Who's it from? Man, I got excited. But regardless, everybody can relate with this one. We all can, because we all have these. I don't know about you, but when you get a new message from someone special, what do you do? Do you open it? Do you just set it to the side? I mean, usually, if it's me, I get a message from Hannah. I don't, I don't usually do this. Ugh. I don't do that. You know, I do. I have my phone, and like you, and you know, I, I set do not disturbs and things like that. But you know, the, one of the people that can get through to me, no matter what, my phone will go off. Even if everything is silenced, my phone will ding when my wife texts me. My phone will ring through. Why? She's special to me. When I get that text, I don't wait. Usually with, I mean, there's many of you. I've been with you sitting at a cup of coffee, and I get something, I go, hey, sorry, it's my wife. I put, I, I'm, gonna, I'm checking that. Why? She's special. I want to read it. I want to respond. What if you were to have, I mean, right now, what if right now you were to sit and listen to your phone and all of a sudden you heard that sound and you pulled your phone out and it said new message from God? What would you do? What would you do? Would you open it? Would you read it? Would you respond? What would you do? We're starting a brand new series today for the next seven weeks. It's a series entitled New Message. Because what we're going to discover is you do have a new message 
sent to you from God. But what will you do with it? We're gonna be in this study in Revelation, the book of Revelation chapters two and chapter three. So I want you to take your Bible this morning and go to Revelation chapter number two. Revelation chapter two is where we will be in just a minute. We will get there. Before we get there though, I have to ask you and you, you can definitely relate with this. I've mentioned it before. Have you ever walked into a room and thought, why did I come in here? Yeah, everybody's done that. True story, 11 days ago, January 3rd was a Wednesday. We were getting ready for our new growth group schedule with the New Journeys discipleship training and then the uh, growth groups, that, the discussion groups that meet here and all the things going on. And on Wednesday afternoon, normally my Wednesdays consist of uh, Wednesday and Fridays are study days for most of the day. So I'm usually studying at a coffee shop on Wednesday mornings and Friday mornings. But in the afternoon, I come in on Wednesdays here just to knock stuff out. Fridays, try to do some appointments. But that Wednesday, I came in. It was around 1, 1.30. I got settled into my office, uh, finished finalizing some things with Pastor Rob for the growth groups that night. And about 2 o'clock rolled around, 2.15. And I was sitting in my office, and I was like, man, I need a cup of coffee. I'm, how many of you have a 2 o'clock? My, my wife and I, we call it our 3 o'clock cuppa. How many have a three o'clock cup of coffee? Man, if you're like me, I like a nine o'clock cup of, a seven o'clock cup of coffee, a nine o'clock cup of coffee, 11 o'clock cup of coffee, and a two o'clock cup of coffee. And if, if it's a good day, I'll drink one at four. But <clears throat> I got, I was sitting in my office, it's 2.30, and uh, I grab, I'm kidding, I don't drink that much coffee. Close, but not that much. I walked out, I got my cup of coffee, I walked out here, my, my cup, and I walked out here, I walked to the foyer, to the Keurig, and I went over, I pushed that Keurig on, turned it on, okay, you gotta give it a few minutes to warm up, usually takes about 60 seconds to two minutes to warm up, and so I just set my coffee cup there, and I looked in the office, and I thought, oh, I gotta fold the handouts for tonight, so I went in there, and I folded or cut the handouts for tonight, and then I found something else to do, and then I was working with my mom on something. Before you know it, 35 minutes had passed. I walked out of the office and I thought, man, I just got a lot done. I accomplished a lot. And I walked right back down that, right into my office. And I sat down in my office and I started working again. And I thought, man, why am I so, I didn't get my coffee. So I got up. I was like, where's my coffee cup? Oh, I already took it back there. True story. I walked out, walked back around the corner. Keurig had turned off again. I turned it back on. When I turned it back on, I thought, oh, the upstairs isn't set up. Well, I'll set the upstairs up while I grab my cream for my coffee. I walked upstairs, set up the upstairs, got things taken care of, went downstairs, checked out a few things. Another 35 minutes had passed. By now, it is four o'clock. I walked back down the stairs, back in the auditorium, back into my office, and sat down. 40 minutes went by. Now, some of you are like, Pastor, what were you thinking? I wasn't. Like, I went in my office and I started working on stuff. And I was accomplishing things. I was checking things off of my to-do list. I mean, it was a, it was a productive day. And 4.45 rolled around and I thought, oh, I need another cup. I never got my cup of coffee. I stood up, I walked out, I went back there, I turned on the machine, I went, mm, mm, mm. And I stood, and I just watched that machine, and finally it 
it, you know, came, the heat warmed up and everything, and I pressed it, and I thought, okay, I got 30 seconds. And I was like, I'll use a restroom. I turned, I was like, no, I'm not even doing that. <laughs> you know why? Because I left my office a number of times, and I accomplished things. Listen, I accomplished things. I got a lot of stuff done. But you know what I did? I forgot my why. I forgot the reason I left the office. I forgot the why behind leaving the office. Here's what I wanna tell you right now. Listen, there are too many Christians who forget their why. Now, Pastor, what do you mean about that? Well, we're gonna find out this morning because today you have a message from God and here's the message from God. Perhaps you've forgotten your why. Let's go to Revelation chapter two. Revelation chapter two this morning, and we're gonna read a few verses. Revelation chapter two, beginning in verse number one. Revelation two, it says this. It says, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus. Now we will dive into all of this in just a minute. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these, write. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and how you have tried them or tested them which say they are apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. You have borne or persevered, and you have patience or endurance for my name's sake, and for my name's sake you have labored, and you've not fainted. Verse four, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. You know, forgetting your why happens to every single one of us. We go into a room. Why did I come in here? We sit down to make a phone call. Why am I doing this? In the Christian life, all too often, we can accomplish, listen, we can accomplish a lot of things. And all the while, we miss the why. That's what was written to the church at Ephesus, and that's what we're gonna discover today. So let's pray, and we'll dive right into the passage. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, would you pray, and just in the quietness of your own heart, would you ask the Lord, God, please speak to me today. God, please speak to me today. And then commit, God, if you speak to me, I'm listening to you. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your love and your care for us. And God, I pray right now as we dive into the passage before us, Lord, I pray that you would help us. God, I pray that you'd give me a clear mind and Lord, clear words. God, that you'd help each one of us to hear exactly what you want us to hear. And Lord, we pray that as we go through the service, Lord, as we heard from the beginning from Brian, that you would arrest our attention. God, that you would capture our minds so that you might work, encourage, and challenge our hearts. We love you, Lord, and we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. 
As you come to the book of Revelation, and we're not going to do an extensive study of the book of Revelation right now, we're just gonna go through the first two or three chapters. But here's what we need to know and what we need to understand. Many people look at the book of Revelation as one of the most complex books or passages in the word of God. And it can be very complex. There are a lot of things about the end times or the end of time, and there's a lot of things about the coming judgments, and there's a lot of different seals that are written about, and there's a lot of different uh, characters and people and, and um, uh, situations and tribulation that is written about. And if you're not careful, okay, stay with me, if you're not careful, you could dive into the book of Revelation and be caught up with a lot of what-ifs. What does that mean? What's the secret meaning here? What's the, co the conspiracy theory with this? And we can, all do, we can all do that looking into the book of Revelation. But here's what we need to know. The book of Revelation is not a book of just judgment coming. No, actually the book of Revelation starts as a letter to seven churches to show grace, mercy, and love. And so as you read through the book of Revelation, don't read it with a lens of judgment coming for all of the wicked people that will get it. Read it through the lens of grace from a loving God to people to help gather their attention. It's almost like the Lord in the book of Revelation is saying, hey, listen, I've got important messages for everybody, but church, I wanna speak to you first. And the very first group, the very first church are the believers at Ephesus. Now, you probably recognize the name Ephesus. You've heard of the book of Ephesians. You've read Acts chapter 18 and chapter number 19. Well, what, what happened in Ephesus? What, why is this so important? Well, Ephesus at the time was just a huge cultural center. Ephesus was um, really kind of one of those major cities, major hubs in the, the known world at that time. But if you went to Acts 18, you would find Paul traveling into Ephesus on his second missionary journey. Then on Paul's third missionary journey, he would go into Ephesus and he would set up and really help establish a church. He would live there for nearly three years. Paul would minister to the people and he would be used of God in a great way. But after that time, Paul was kind of pushed out of town or chased out of town by the silversmiths. They were creating the idols or the trinkets to the goddess of Diana. And of course, um, the silversmiths were mad because there were so many people coming to know Jesus as savior that they were missing out on their money and people were turning from idols to worship the one true God. And so they get mad and they're like, hey, let's cause a coup. Let's get an up because then maybe the authorities would see it and they would arrest these Christians. And so the believers helped sneak Paul out of the city and Paul would leave. Acts chapter number 20, in the city or town of Miletus, Paul gives a challenge to the leaders of the church of Ephesus. So really, for all case and purposes, we can say today that, that uh, the church at Ephesus is one of the New Testament churches that we know the most about. As a matter of fact, the church at Ephesus, we have seven letters or seven books of the New Testament that are written about or for Ephesus or people in Ephesus. 
You have the book of Ephesians, the book of First and Second Timothy, First, Second, and Third John, and the book of Revelation. Those all have something to do with the church at Ephesus. Well, what took place in Ephesus? <clears throat> well, John, all right, John who was an apostle, not John the Baptist, but John who was an apostle. His brother James was one of the first martyred apostles. John is one that God would use to help the church at Ephesus really just get going after most of the other apostles were gone. John was the pastor of the church at Ephesus. We'll go through the other pastors in just a minute, but John, the Bible tells us that God would use, or excuse me, um, we know of John's emphasis through 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, but history tells us that John was somebody that was making a great impact for the cause of Jesus Christ, so much so that it got the emperor's attention. And as a matter of fact, the emperor was seeing John impacting the people for God so well that the emperor decided, I'm gonna put a stop to this. And you can go and you can find uh, from Tertullian, a historian, second century author and pastor who lived in North Africa. He tells of persecution that John endured. And this is one of his quotes. He says this about John, having been thrown into a terracotta, terracotta jar of burning oil, he, John, came out cleaner and more vigorous than when he entered. Here's what happened. The emperor wanted to burn John alive. So he took John threw him in this terracotta, terracotta jar of oil. And John miraculously just sits there. I can imagine him. He's like, man, you know, somebody should create something someday where you just sit in like some really hot water and relax, you know? It's the first hot tub. I don't, I don't know, but man, John's sitting there and not, nothing's taking place. And so they pull him out and it, Tertullian writes, he's more vigorous than when he entered. Now he's got more energy. And you can actually go and read some of the stories from Tertullian and other historians that many more people came to know Christ because of that. Well, the emperor wasn't happy. So he took John and he decided to take John and uh, well, if I can't kill you, I'm gonna do something else. And so what does he do? Well, Revelation chapter one lets us in on a little bit of insight and history does as well. He takes John and he puts him on the Isle of Patmos, the island of Patmos. He's thinking, if I can't silence you, then I will seclude you. I will put you on your own. And the island of Patmos is where Jesus would come to John. Revelation chapter one, Jesus comes to John. John passes out as if dead, some, some commentators believe John actually, actually like gave up, the, he died and was revived by the Lord in this moment. But regardless of your opinion on that, you can know that Jesus came to John and said, hey, John, I've got a message for you to write to the churches. And so he starts with this letter to the Ephesians. These seven churches are the churches of Asia Minor, modern, modern day Turkey. The seven letters to these seven churches, the churches are and consist of these, which would be Ephesus and uh, Smyrna and Pergamus, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. 
Many believe that John was probably instrumental in these churches starting. But God starts with the church at Ephesus. Now there's something very interesting when you think about Ephesus and the church at Ephesus that I've got to tell you. And that's this, that as one author says, the leadership of the believers at Ephesus was legendary. Here's what I mean by that. Paul helped start the church. He instilled leadership through Aquila and Priscilla. Now, you might not know them, but you can go study them out in the book of Acts. They were Christians that God used in a great way in the book of Acts. So their leadership consisted of Paul, Aquila, Priscilla. Later, it consisted of Apollos. Apollos in the book of Acts is one of the greatest orators or one of the greatest speakers for the cause of Christ. And then after Apollos, Paul would send Timothy, his young protege, protege, Timothy, who Paul discipled, Timothy, who was used in a great way for God's work. Timothy would pastor the church at Ephesus, and then eventually John would pastor the church at Ephesus. That's, a, that's some great leadership. And when you and I come to this passage, though, it's very interesting that in all of this, the Lord would say, hey, you've done some great things, but you've forgotten your why. And so I wanna ask you a question to consider this morning as we make our way through the passage, as we make our way through these thoughts. If the Lord was to give you this message, would the Lord say you've forgotten your why? I just want you to think about that today. I want you to notice a few thoughts with me as we go into it this morning. The first thing I want us to see is this, that God... He is fully aware of and blessed by your accomplishments for him. I'm gonna say it again. God is fully aware of and he is blessed by your accomplishments for him. Here's how the passage starts in Revelation chapter two and verse number one. It says this, under the angel of the church at Ephesus, write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. All right, pastor, what do these words kind of mean? How do we, how do we uh, find some help here? Well, we need to go back a couple of verses. Revelation chapter one, verse 19 and 20. Write these things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter, the mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. All right, now, the word angel. There's some discussion about what does this mean? The word angel simply means messenger. Okay, the messenger. We might say, the leadership, the, the pastor, the pastors that are leading the ministry. That would make great sense, all right? Hey, John, to the leadership of the church at Ephesus, I want you to write this, to the angel, the messenger. And then it says, and the seven candlesticks, so when you read what we just read in Revelation chapter two and verse number one, talking about the angels, but then it says the candlesticks, which thou sawest, what are they? They are the seven churches, all right, now don't get caught up in the wrestling match of what if and who said and all. No, no, no. The Lord gave us the, uh, the, the, the definitions. So let me ask you a question. When you read, you read candlesticks. Some of you might be holding a Bible that says lampstand. What is the purpose of a candlestick or a lampstand? To hold up the light. The candlestick, the lampstand, that is not the light. No, the light is what's on top. The light is, the, the purpose of the candlestick is to hold up the light. 
in here, we see the churches being referred to as a candlestick. You wanna know why we're referred to as a lampstand or a candlestick? It's the church's job to hold up the light of Jesus. Hey, we are to be a light to this world. We are to live a a life that reflects the light of who Jesus is. And so when you come to Revelation chapter number two, here's what Jesus says to John. Hey, John, to the pastor, to the messenger of the church at Ephesus, I want you to write this about their church, which is a candlestick holding up the light. Now, what does he say to them? He says in verse two and three, these words. I know your works and your labor. I know your patience and how you church at Ephesus, you cannot bear or endure or continue with that which is evil. You have tested them, which say they are apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. You have borne or persevered. You have patience for my name's sake. And for my name's sake, has labored and not fainted. Man, I tell you what, that is a incredible commendation. I mean, what's the Lord saying? Hey, listen, you guys, you've got it going. Hey, church at Ephesus, you guys are doing amazing things. He goes through a whole list of things. I, I know your work. What is that? I know your actions and your business. I know your labor. What is that? I know the effort and the struggle you have going through your business and your action. I know your patience, your endurance, your consistency. Man, you guys move forward. No matter what's coming your way, you just keep moving forward. He says you have borne. That means you have carried on or persevered. You have patience, cheerful endurance, and you don't quit. And you've done all of it for the name of Jesus. You don't even put up with evil. You have a desire for righteous things. And you, church at Ephesus, you can discern between truth and lies. You've been doctrinally pure. You know what you believe and you know why you believe it. You know all the ologies and all the isms and you cross your T's and dot your I's and you have verses memorized and you know false heresy and uh, false teaching. Hey, listen, you have all the right things going for you. Pause. Wouldn't it be cool if the Lord could say that to you and me? Hey, hey, don't miss it. I think it would be cool if the Lord came to Moses Lake Baptist and said, hey, Moses Lake Baptist Church, you guys are accomplishing a lot. What do we learn from this? I learned these thoughts that Jesus keeps track of how we steward our lives to serve him. The Lord keeps track of how you use your life for him. Now wait, pastor, don't you often say that Christianity is not about performance-based Religion, yes. Performance should never be the motive. But stewardship and action, that should always be there. Don't don't ever don't ever settle for Christianity that doesn't serve God. Don't, Don't do that. Why? You will miss out. As a matter of fact, James said it this way in James chapter two and verse number 18. James said, a man may say thou hast faith and I have works. 
Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. You know what James was saying? James was saying, hey, listen, you want real Christianity? Watch my life because I steward my life and I use it to serve him. Well, why do you do that? Because I believe and I follow. Hey, so we need to understand that the Lord Jesus Christ, he keeps track of how we steward our lives for him. God is fully aware of and blessed by your accomplishments for him. Hey, church at Ephesus, listen, you guys are working hard. You are faithful. You are constant. You are doctrinally sound. Church at Ephesus, you are doing great. Verse four, nevertheless, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. You know what I would see this morning when I look at that nevertheless, I see this thought that you can be right about a lot of things and still be wrong. (laughs) Hey, you can be right about a lot of things and still be wrong. (laughs) You know what you can do? You can accomplish a lot and still forget you're making a cup of coffee. Remember that story? I came out, I accomplished a ton of things but I forgot my why. Notice what the Lord says to the believers at Ephesus. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because you have left your first love. You've left your first love. You have forsaken your foremost priority of loving God. Basically, he's saying you've forgotten your why. Hey, you are accomplishing a lot of things. Way to go. Good job, church at Ephesus. You are doing well, but you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Ooh. Wow. You've forgotten your first love. You're right in a lot of areas, but you are still wrong. The one thing that Jesus says is hindering this church is their lack of love. And Christian, don't miss this. Love all throughout scripture, love is supposed to be the motivation behind the Christian life. Hey, we'll just cut right to it. Love is the why behind the what. Why should I serve God? Because I love him. Paul said, the love of Christ constraineth me. That means I I keep moving forward. I am pressed in and moving forward for Jesus because of love. Hey, did you know that the love of Christ is supposed to motivate you, but also the love of Christ is supposed to be the identifying marker of a Christian? John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment have I given unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. And Jesus says this, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. Hey, you wanna know how people are gonna know that you have Bible Christianity? when you love others like Jesus loves them. Love is supposed to be what draws us closer to God. I, we love him because he first loved us. Mark 12, love is the greatest commandment ever given. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31, one of the scribes came to Jesus and asked, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou, 
Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the, the first commandment. Oh, by the way, the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is none other commandments greater than these. Hey, you wanna ask how important love is? Let's boil the Christian life. We've done it often. Let's boil the Christian life down to four words, one statement. Love God, love people. How do I live out the Christian life? Love God, love people. How do I know what my priorities should be this week? Love God, love people. How should I serve the Lord? Love God, love people. Hey, that's what Jesus said on these two. Hang all the law and the prophets. The most important thing that you and I can do on a day in and day out basis is have the right priority of love. But how often can we do Christianity and ministry without love? I, I, I hate to tell you this today. I hate to admit it. But in my life, probably more often than I want to admit, I've done ministry without love. You know what the Lord says? You missed it. But I want you to notice something. They had not lost it, they had left it. They hadn't lost it, they had left it. I wonder this morning, have you left it? I love how one pastor said it. If you can't get there without loving, then just don't go. That's what Jesus is saying to them. Hey, listen, you have a lot going for you, but you have missed your why. So here's my question to you. Why do you do what you do? Hey, why do you come to church? Hey, why do you teach that class? Why do you serve as a greeter? Why do you get involved in kids ministry? Why do you help with music? Why do you witness to your coworker? Why do you love your family and lead your family? Why do you get up and spend time in the word of God? Why do you do what you do? Because if we would look at this and say our motivation is not love, then we too have missed it. You see, you can have all of your ologies down and have all of the answers. Hey, you can know a lot of Bible verses, but if you know a lot of scripture and miss love, you've missed it. I've missed it. Hey, can I just tell you this? If you can win every single argument with your coworkers, but you don't try to win their heart and love them like Jesus would, you've missed it. And how often we've missed it. You see, Paul wrote, we could do a lot of things, but if we don't have love, it's empty and pointless. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, I could be gifted beyond everybody, but if I do it without love, it's pointless. He says, you know what? I could have, the, I could have all spiritual gifts and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have so much faith that I literally could remove a mountain, but if I do it without love, it profits me nothing. He even goes on to say, you know what? If I, if I gave away all of my goods to the poor and I even died a martyr's death, if I did it without love, it's of no benefit. Hey, how important do you think love is to the Lord? 
So here's the church at Ephesus sitting here thinking, all right, God, you say we've done a lot of things. We've accomplished a lot, but we've left our first love. Lord, what do we do? Well, here's what the Lord says. Remember the first work of love and return. The Lord doesn't give a whole big checklist. The Lord just says, remember and come back. Notice verse five and six. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. Hey, therefore, because of this, remember from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. But this thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Here's what the Lord is saying in these verses. He is simply giving a way back. What is that way back? Remember, repent, return. Remember, repent, return. What do I need to remember? <clears throat> here's, here's what a lot of us would do. If the Lord came to us and said, hey, you've left your first love, we would say, okay, God, how can I love you more? How can I love you more? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do more. If I do more, then certainly I'm loving more. No, that's not remember. Now, you know what you need to do? You need to remember how it was when you first experienced his love. I have a lot of couples that come down and, hey, pastor, we wanna do some marriage counseling, we wanna sit together. We're going through some trials, going through some situations, and, and there's some of you, maybe we've sat down, I'm looking around, I can't even think of it, but I know plenty of couples, you know what I'll do, we'll sit down and maybe they'll kind of sit there and they're both kind of grumpy, he said this, she said that. They're just going back and forth. You know, usually one of the first things I do is I go, hey, tell me how you met. Tell me how you met. And one of them will laugh <laughs> and they'll look at the other one as if like you say, because I'm too mad to say it. And usually the wife says, oh, well, and she proceeds to tell me the story. After a little bit of hearing the story, here's what I will say. I would say, now, sir, can I ask you a question? I'd call him by his first name. Hey, would you tell me like, tell me three things that you just, that, I mean, that stood out to you about her when you first met, just three things. And they usually go, oh, okay, well, you know, I really liked this and boy, this was really encouraging and she won me over with this. And I'll look to her and I'll say, hey, why don't, you, why don't you tell me three or four things that stood out about him? What, what am I doing? What is a, most counselors will do something like that in a marriage counseling setting. Why? Because I'm trying to get you to remember. Hey, you've been married for 18 years and your struggles are right now. Your struggle, like, I want you to remember year one. Remember year two. Because then we begin to remember how much our spouse loved us and how much we loved them. Here's what the Lord is saying. Hey, if you look into your life and you look at your motivations and the why behind your what is not love, here's what the Lord says. I want you to stop and I just want you to go back and remember with me how much I love you. Hey, remember the early days. 
Remember when you first received Christ. Remember when you first put your faith in him. Remember when you first started reading scripture. Remember that first conversation of telling somebody about Jesus. Hey, go back and remember. Why? Because a trip down memory lane is often God's way of bringing you back home. He says, remember, and then he says, repent. What is repentance? It is a change of direction. True repentance will show up in a change of direction. Hey, God, I've been motivated by a lot of other things, not by love. I remember how much you love me, and God, I repent. I turn back. I have a direction change to say, I now want to be motivated by love. And then he says to return. Remember, repent, return. It is literally a choice. A choice to be motivated by love. I'm not going to serve today because I have to. I'm going to serve today because I love. Today, I don't want to just be kind to my kids and my wife because I'm dad. I want to do it because I love them. Today, I don't want to get up and preach and, and be involved in ministry just because it's kind of, you know, a pastor. I mean, you're supposed to do that. It's your one day a week to work, you know? I mean, come on, man. You know, I don't want to do that. I want to get up and preach. And I, I had to pray this week, multiple days as I was studying. I had to pray, Lord, help me not to do life and Christianity out of duty or with any other motivation than love. Why? Because love is the only lasting motivation. Remember, repent, return. Here's our last lesson today, and it's this, in verse number seven. He that hath an ear to hear, or he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Here's the lesson, and that's this. Every follower of Jesus needs to listen up and respond. <laughs> well, wait, isn't this written to the church at Ephesus? Yeah, it is. It's written to the believers at Ephesus who were real believers in a real time who received this real letter written to them. But here's what Jesus said. Hey, John, write this down too. To anyone that will hear what the Lord, the Spirit says to the churches, let him hear. And not just hear, let him respond. And then that second phrase, to him that overcometh will I give of the uh, um, tree of life. Don't, don't look at that and think, okay, so I've got to strive for salvation. That's not the thought. The overcometh is talking about victory. You can go to other places in scripture. How do we have victory? How do we overcome? Faith and love. Hey, if you will get back to this basic principle, here's what the Lord is saying. I promise you will experience blessing. I promise there are good things as you serve and steward your life with a motivation of love. So what do we do? We listen to the Lord and we apply his truth into our life. So here's my question for you this morning. It's just one question today. We started with it. And we end with it. Have you forgotten your why? You know, as I travel through the Christian life, I mean, I've been in church my entire life. 
I have sat through more messages than in, in just, I'm 40 years old, in 40 years, I have sat through more preaching messages than most people, 90-year-olds, would sit through in their entire life. I mean, literally thousands of messages. I have been to dozens of churches. I have preached at dozens of conferences and youth rallies. I have led teams of people and taught lessons on leading people. But you wanna know what I would say a lot of Christianity has? A lot of Christianity has forgotten their why. So what are you accomplishing with the wrong motive? Hey, why are you doing what you do? I mean, why, why, why come to church? Well, if I don't come to church, then God's gonna strike me dead. No, no, I should come to church because I love him. Well, why should I grow in the Lord? Why, why should I do a discipleship? Because I love him. Why should I witness? Because I love him. Why should I give to the future of our church? Because I love him. Why should I get up tomorrow morning on Monday and desire to be a husband that honors God and loves his family? Because I love the Lord. And here's the truth. If you're going through the Christian life and not loving, you've missed it. I've missed it. All right, pastor, I get it. What, what do I do? Remember, repent, return. And maybe today you would just ask the Lord, Lord, will you show me what my motivations have been? And God, if they've been wrong, would you help me to remember how much you love me? Hey, maybe that's what you need to do today. Maybe today you need to stop and you just remember, need to remember how loved you are by God. Like, all of your frailty and failure and all of your misguided thinking and all of my pride and all of our flaws, all of our victories, you know what God does? God looks at you and he says, I love you. In spite of you, I love you. And if I would remember his love, it helps me return to loving. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed this morning as we come to a time of invitation, a time to respond to him. And today I would just ask you, how will you respond to this new message? Your cell phone just dinged. It's the Lord. And he's asking a question, have you forgotten your why? Have you forgotten your why? If you're here this morning and you have forgotten your why, you don't remember, don't have the right motivations as you serve the Lord. Today during the invitation, just help the Lord, ask the Lord to help you. God, would you help me? Help me to remember, help me to repent. God, help me to return. Help me not to miss the why behind my what. But maybe you're here this morning and you have never personally put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You have never even received his love. If you're here and you don't know that heaven is where you'd spend eternity, I wanna encourage you today to put your faith and trust in Jesus. 
He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. And if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I wanna encourage you this morning. You could pray and receive Jesus Christ right there where you're seated. You could pray recognizing, God, I recognize that I'm a sinner and that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. And Jesus, I believe, I believe in you and I receive you into my life. Now, it's not that prayer that saves you. It's just you confessing with your mouth that you believe in your heart. And if you've never received the love of the Lord into your life, today, make that decision. If you do know Christ, how's your motivations?